blue is the color. Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Chind, joined by John Buxbaum. John, what is happening? Hey, Brian, how you doing? Welcome back. You look nice and tan and refreshed, so excited to be potting with you tonight. That's right. We both had a couple weeks vacation. I was visiting some family and friends in Wisconsin, and Bucks, you were all over the place across the U.S., very far away from your home in Brooklyn. How is uh, Mother Nature treating you? Yeah, my family and I got a two-week vacation out west. We went to California and Colorado, got to see some things, take some adventures, and see some close friends. So overall, great trip, but uh, really good to be home and back in our little makeshift podcast studio. And listen, I'm feeling (laughs) re-energized going into FPL Game Week 4. But what we're doing today is we're going to actually recap what happened in Game Week 3. We're going to give you some insight into what happened with our teams, as well as take a look at what happened in the matches in real life before we dive into the biggest question right now in the FPL game, which is what to do about the arrival of one Cristiano Ronaldo. And I know we're going to have a little bit of a wild card conversation based on what the reaction is to that question. Brian, how'd we do? My team suffered from the FPL Blues this past game week, so it was nice no. to have that long international break. Yeah, the first first red arrow of the season. And, uh, you know, they always tell you to not drink alcohol and tinker with your FPL team, and unfortunately, that is what I did. I made the transfers I wanted to make, but I moved my bus captain from Antonio to Bruno. And really, I was under the influence of maybe 10 to 15, adult beverages uh, when I was uh, visiting friends before a wedding and I just was looking at my phone in bed and I just had I had to change my captain I didn't want to have the same captain as you for the third week in a row and lo and behold that was a big mistake so I uh, I totaled 55 points and you know Antonio once again he was he was a monster and I should have just kept my my bus team captain on him he had 11 points Danny Ings had four points for me up front then my two transfers this week were Ben Rama and Rafinha, both disappointments, both blanking uh, for two pointers each. But I feel confident about those guys moving forward. Uh, Bruno as my cap, four points, uh, very, very uh, underwhelming. And then Sala and Greenwood, they did the business. Sala with 10 points against Chelsea. Eh, not exactly what I was expecting, but he nailed his pen Again, he, he's he's one of the best assets in the game and over the last three or four years. And Greenwood as well comes in with eight points. In my back line, Shaw for United gets his first clean sheet. Trent with four, Ailing with two, and then Sanchez in goal with two. So I went for a differential captain pick this week. It didn't pan out, but at least I still owned Antonio. Um, he actually ended up being on 168 effective ownership this past game week. So for those who aren't familiar with effective ownership, It's basically a look at the player who has a number of factors into this percentage. So it's the percentage of the player's total ownership and then also the percentage added to that for the player's captaincy percentage. So that's something to keep in mind as we get later and later in the game and it becomes more competitive. Effective ownership is another small wrinkle to keep uh, keep tabs of. So that's how I did Bucks. Uh, What about you? Yeah, so I continued the gravy train. I had a small green arrow. I am now uh, in the top 100K overall, so I'm really happy about that. I'm about 99,000 in the world. 
And this game week was just a total validation of my patience. I was able to only do one transfer and it was a small move. So I had two free transfers going into game week three. I come out with two free transfers going into game week four and the international break, which I expect is going to be extremely valuable. And, you know, my patience in another place with Ivan Tony, the striker who's hasn't really looked the part for the first two game weeks. All of a sudden he emerged, he has an attacking return and he rewards me and other FPL managers uh, by delivering his first goal of the season. So I had 67 points overall. Really that was highlighted by Miguel Antonio, my captain with 22. Other contributors, I had Sanchez in goal, two points, TAA, four points. Sufal, been pretty disappointing to be honest. He was on one point. Luke Shaw, clean sheet, first one for Man United of the season. He gets six. His lines mate, Mason Greenwood, another goal. He's on eight points for me. Bruno disappoints, as Brian said, with two. Sala gets a goal and bonus. He ends up with 10 points. Rafinha, again, blanks, disappointing. And Danny Ings gets an assist for his third attacking return of the season. So overall, pretty good showing. I'm okay with 67 points. Kind of just keep the train moving and we're on time. So, But enough about our teams. We really want to make sure to highlight the manager of the week for the FPL Blues Super League. And Brian, who is that this weekend? So we're going to shout out Fabio Spagnolo and his squad, Hakuna Juan Mata FC. He sits at the top of the table with a strong 70-point performance in Game Week 3, and Woo! he went with a differential captain of Sonny Boy. And all smiles there as Sun racks up um, you know, a goal that was a bit lucky, but still 20 big points for uh, Fabio. So congratulations. We'll see how long he stays at the top of the table. And Bucks, we'll both be chasing him down very soon. Yeah, we're we're on your heels, Fabio, but good start. And it's been a really competitive start to the FPL Blues Podcast Super League. Uh, there's been a new manager of the week each of the first three game weeks. So you love to see that. And there's only less than 10 points are splitting the top 10 managers. So there's a really tight race at the top and it's anyone's guess on who's going to break out and be the kind of clear leader as we get into the meat and potatoes of the FPL season. Yeah. And if you'd like to join us in that Super League, please check out our social. There's information to join the league. We're going to have a prize at the end, uh, very specially prepared by John and I. So we look forward to crowning the new uh, FPL Blues Super League champion at the end of the season. Absolutely. And with that, we're going to take our first quick break before we dive into the Game Week 3 match results. Now it's time to take a quick look back at the most notable performances of Game Week 3 with either a bang or a blowout, depending on who you support in the Premier League. So let's start with Manchester City 5, Arsenal 0. Another big defeat for Arteta's side, Bucks. Take us through this one. Wow, City are just on a total roll. They have five goals in each of the last two games. Now, admittedly, it was against Norwich and Arsenal, who right now are sitting comfortably at the bottom of the table, which is a little surprising. I know Brian and I were a little high on the potential for Arsenal coming into this season, but they've just looked terrible. 
clear man of the match goes to Ferran Torres. He's been starting as the false number nine up top, leading the line for City. And he's only 7.1 million in the FPL game. Oh, yeah. So in this match, he had two goals and an assist. He was the top point scorer for the whole game week with 18. And he's just a total steal. Now, the only concern with Ferran Torres that you need to be aware of is that one, Gabriel Jesus is also competing for that forward spot. And Phil Foden and KDB are reportedly coming back in a couple weeks' time. So, you know, Ferran Torres really only owns that attacking lone striker role right now at this current point in time. So in FPL, this is a dwindling commodity. He's a hype train that you want to jump on as soon as possible if you can fit him into your midfield because Brian and I both expect that City are going to be scoring a lot of goals this season and he's going to have a part to play in that. Yeah, I mean, similar to City assets in the past, you're going to have to deal with some rotation, but he's started all three matches, which is very impressive given his age. And when he's shared the pitch with Jesus, he's been the false nine and Jesus has played out wide. So I think that's important to note that Pep is really potentially grooming Torres to become a striker of the future and attacking player of the future for City. So we're, we're happy to see that. And at that price tag, even if he does get rotated, he has the potential, again, to really boom. Uh, 18 points is, is huge. Um, and then, yeah, just to also shout out Jesus at 8.6 million right now has really started strong. He's tallied a goal and an assist in this match and claimed his second straight uh, max bonus um, opportunity. So he's looking you know, very lively as well. And there could be some value to be had in this city side. But Arsenal, on the other hand, not much more to say. I think people are, are really ganging up on them, and they will have a, a better run coming up here when the fixtures turn. But I think uh, right now it's a, it's a clear stay away. Yeah, uh, just one thing on Arsenal. If you have Ben White, he's dropped in price. He's now $4.4 million, but he hasn't played because he's had the bad luck of being having COVID. And, you know, as Brian said, the fixtures are starting to look much better. They have Norwich in game week four and Burnley in game week five. So I would give your Arsenal players at least till game week five before you fire sale them. And just regarding Ferran Torres, you know, City decided to exit the Cristiano Ronaldo sweepstakes, but we didn't know it was because they had the Spanish Cristiano Ronaldo in Ferran <laughs> Torres. So uh, really interesting. I think that's all that needs to be said about this opening match for game week three. And we can move on uh, to Villa Brentford, which was a loggerhead draw at 1-1. Brian? Yeah, so like we mentioned before, Ivan Tony punishes the sellers in this one. So Bucks, well done by hanging on to him. He delivers six points in his first goal of the season for Brentford. And we also see Danny Ings get his third straight attacking return. Um, and uh, he had an assist to Buendia, and he had his first goal for the Villains. So right now, I think this is a team in Villa that is going to develop. They've got a lot of new pieces. They've got a few injuries. Watkins made his first appearance of the season. And I think this, this is a team that we're going to revisit um, down the line because they do have a lot of appealing and appetizing uh, price points that we could fit into our FPL squad. Yeah, this is a team in Villa that actually probably has the most alluring or one of the most alluring slates of FPL assets considering how the team is actually going to perform in real life. Because I think that there's a total disconnect. There's They have so much great midfield talent from an FPL perspective, but 
Whether those goals are going to be scored in garbage time or not remains to be seen. But really the most important thing you need to know about Villa coming out of game week three is that a lot of their key players are going abroad to play for home country in the international break. And so they're going to be without Emmy Martinez, Tyrone Mings, and Kansa against Chelsea and Lukaku in game week four, which is like the worst case scenario. Oh boy. Break glass, five alarm fire. They are missing their three, three of their most important defensive pieces against one of the most clinical scorers on planet Earth. So uh, that's not great. And, you know, this is just in time for their fixtures to really turn sour from game week four for the next few weeks. So I just think it's something to be aware of as an FPL manager. If you have been reaping the benefits of owning some Villa players, might be a time to pull the ripcord. Yeah, I mean, when you have a goalkeeper in between the sticks named Jed, you're going to have a tough time against uh, the likes of Chelsea. So Jed Steer is likely going to start this game week. So it could be a field day for Chelsea. So those who made moves to actually bring in Lukaku last week are really set up for a prime captaincy shout this upcoming week. So something to to keep in mind there. And then the last note for uh, Brentford, I really thought Rico Henry uh, caught my eye once again. He's a player that at 4.5 as a attacking um, you know fullback, he might be somebody that you include in one of your wild cards. He really actually blew an, a goal opportunity as well. And he's a player that uh, I'll have my eye on because their defense looks surprisingly feisty to start the season. Yeah, if he made that goal, we might be calling him Rico Suave before the end of the game week. Oh, believe me, Bucks, before the end of the season, he's going to be called Rico <laughs> Suave on this podcast multiple times. I, I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing from him, especially at 4.5. Very true. All right, let's go to the next match, which was Brighton 0, Everton 2. Everton, they're making us look silly, Brian. I know, it's kind of embarrassing. We were really piling on that uh, we thought they'd start the season slow. Rafa Benitez taking control at the helm and unlikely to have both Richarlison and DCL to start the season. And they've uh, they've made us eat some crow. I'm not going to lie. And the crow doesn't taste good, but you like to see DCL really taking control and taking another penalty kick. So he's converted two pens already to start the season. And this is something that he did not have in his locker at all last season. So it's impressive to see him continue to grow into the striker role for Everton and Elsewhere on the pitch, Damari Gray, he scores another goal and looks very threatening with his direct style of play in this squad. You know, in previous years, you had both um, both Sigurdsson and also the Colombian guy. Who am I forgetting? Bucks. Oh, James Rodriguez. James Rodriguez. And James, right. And those guys are very talented footballers, but they don't have the pace that Damari Gray has. And he's been a, an interesting player at 56 uh, coming into the conversation as one of those cheap uh, enablers in the midfield. Yeah, I mean, at this point, James Rodriguez really is just another Colombian guy. Apologies to any <laughs> Colombian guys. Oh out man, there. the 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 disrespect, but it's kind of true. Uh, it's kind of true. He doesn't want to be at Everton, so it's a good opportunity for Damari Gray to you know really secure us a starting spot on this team. And at five point six million and a lot of easy fixtures coming up, he's somebody that you might see in some wildcard templates as an enabler if players are going to look at having three premiums in their team. Yeah, absolutely. Just a note on Damari Gray. He's been showing some sublime finishing abilities. He has only two big chances on the season, but he scored both of them. 
Um, but from an advanced stats perspective, the reason he's getting so much FPL buzz is obviously he has two goals and he's under six million in the midfield. But more importantly, he's actually been occupying the most advanced spaces of any Everton player in the first three games. So he's even further up the field than DCL is on average over the course of a match. So you love to see that as your fifth, potentially your fifth midfielder to be able to have him come in and score double digits in any game week. I mean, that's mind blowing. You love that. And that's, that's the reason that so many people are transferring him in right now. Yeah. And I mean, Everton also have Burnley, Villa and Norwich coming up in their next three. So the likes of his game and also DCL's game are really good targets for the upcoming transfers here for FPL managers. Uh, Something that I'm not excited to talk about is we saw Veltman take the pitch in the second half and play 45 minutes where the FPL towers had flagged him as completely 0% able to play. And it's just another reminder that we're really making this up on the fly with COVID regulations and protocols the availability of players is going to fluctuate. And even though he, you know, one of your players might be marked out for three weeks, maybe they come back a week early. It's, it's just a very fluid situation. So I was a little bit irked to see that because I think I honestly would have changed my transfer strategy and started him if I knew that he was going to play, but it is what it is. He will be in my starting lineup the following game week. Yeah. Brighton haven't started so strong, especially in defense. They, only have one clean sheet from three games, and they haven't looked too convincing at the back. But if you are a Sanchez goalkeeper owner like Brian and I, or if you have doubled up in the back, I wouldn't lose faith just yet. They have had a relatively difficult schedule, and I think things are are changing for the better in the next few game weeks. And with that, we can talk about a team where it's not changing for the better, and that's one of the two, actually both the teams in this matchup, Newcastle and Southampton. They ended up drawing at 2-2. Pretty disappointing for Newcastle. I think they've actually looked good attacking-wise to start the season, but they still have zero they still have zero wins on the season. So, pretty disappointing from them and Steve Bruce. What do you see here, Brian? I mean, honestly, these are two teams that I actually enjoy watching because they're going to give up a few goals and they're not going to play to a 0-0 draw, you know, both relatively attacking sides Newcastle can definitely hang two or three goals on anybody but they're going to give up three or four so they're going to be in for a tough season Uh, the scores for Newcastle include Callum the Truth Wilson he scores a goal and gets max bonus points in this one and then St. Maximum also scores uh, in the 90th minute to put them up two to one and he's providing a lot of pace and a lot of width on the pitch to set up Wilson. So I like what I'm seeing from him. And on the other side, Southampton gets goals from a player I've never heard of, a new midfielder for their side, uh, Eluinesi something, something. How do you pronounce his name, Bucks? Do you have any idea? <laughs> Mohamed Elionisi. Come on, Brian. That's an easy one. Yeah, if I, I, it looks like a word I'd spell in Scrabble and uh, try and get to get across the board but anyway he scores an open play goal and then the game tying pk happens in the 96 minute from jwp and it's a 2-2 draw so one one important thing to note is that livermento started once again for southampton he looked very threatening 
he might be the best, you know, cheap defender. He's 4.1 million now, and he looks to be absolutely nailed. 18 years old, a lot of room for growth. I don't know if he's going to play 3,000 minutes, but if he plays 2,500 minutes this season, he's definitely worth that price tag. And honestly, he probably should have scored or grabbed an assist in this match. So better days ahead for him, and I think he should be your fifth defender on wildcard. Yeah, he looks great coming from Chelsea. And the only question is if Southampton will keep a single clean sheet all season. That remains to be seen. But Livermento offers some attacking threat that I think at in the four million, you know, the sub four point five million price bracket, he's absolutely worth a bet uh, for the long haul because he's going to play. And Southampton are they're no Norwich, so they they at least have a chance of scoring goals. All righty, let's move on to Norwich. One goal, Leicester, two goals. So they finally get on the board here, but this again is uh, another opportunity for the whipping boys of Norwich to really fall to the hands of the Vardy party. Vardy ends up with a goal and an assist for max bonus for 12 points. He would have been a really great captain shout, and I think we pointed that out on the last week's pod. From a team perspective, they look a bit lacking. You know, Barnes didn't do much once again in this game, and and either did Madison. So I think there are hopefully better days ahead. We did not see the likes of Iannaccio start up top um, after the injury or after the red card to Perez. So curious to see if Brendan Rodgers is ever going to switch this formation and just get Nacho in because I, I really think he's one of their best options and they were really humming at the end of last season with him playing the majority of the minutes. So I think there are better days ahead for Leicester as well. But ultimately, you got to target the whipping boys of Norwich. Any anytime you can, you can captain against them and you're going to expect at least a double-digit haul. Yeah, Norwich looked terrible, uh, especially in defense. And it's, you know, Brian and I aren't going to pretend like we know more about football than Brendan Rodgers, but he had something figured out with the two forward options to end last season, Vardy next to Iannaccio. And it's just so bizarre that he's gone completely away from that. And understandably, Leicester haven't looked the same team. So um, I think that on the training pitch, they'll figure some things out and they'll return to the Leicester that we've come to know over the last few seasons as being a real top flight competitor for the championship year in, year out. So I think that's all that needs to be said. Vardy is one of those players who's just not getting enough attention and he's continuing to fly under the radar, but also continuing to deliver. So someone definitely to look out for as a differential choice moving forward. Yeah. And when we talk about those ultra premium forwards later, you know, Vardy is an afterthought, but he will always be a player that you can downgrade, you know, one of Kane, Ronaldo or Lukaku too. So he should always stay firmly on your watch list throughout the season. Next up, West Ham United versus Connor Gal. I mean, Crystal Palace, <laughs> 2-2. So this was an unbelievably entertaining and unexpected result. Mikel Antonio, who we've lauded throughout the pod, he is absolutely on fire. He's the top player in FPL at this point in time. He comes on with 11 FPL points, a goal and an assist, and two bonus. Love to see that from one of your forward options. And unfortunately, Ben Rama, kind of the the music ended a little bit for him in this match. He didn't look so great. He ended up blanking with only two points for Brian. And his running mate for Niles, Pablo Fornals, actually came and he looked really good. Um, there's just so many great attacking players for West Ham that they, they have like a Swiss Army knife 
with a number of these midfield options who could really get the ball to Antonio, receive the ball back, put the ball in the back of the net. So they have something going with David Moyes. And, you know, I just think it's interesting that West Ham might be actually a team in the same discussion as Liverpool and Man United as teams to target having three FPL players from. So again, that's that's just what I'm thinking right now as I'm kind of evaluating my upcoming wild card. You know, I think that they're a team where the price is right and you could really get three players who are going to contribute FPL points week in, week out. On the other side of the coin, Brian, Connor Gallagher, one man team. Yeah, it's it's Gallagher's world out here, putting up a brace. Uh, very impressive. He's five and a half million, I believe. So he's a player that we'll keep tabs on. You know, the rest of Crystal Palace is not really a very attacking side, but uh, you know, new manager in town, they're gonna run out some of these new players and try and get them up to speed at Crystal Palace. Um, just going back to your your thoughts on West Ham attack. They look great from an attacking perspective, but they're leaking goals. So I would completely stay away from the likes of Cresswell and Sufal right now. They are p- playing such an open counter-attacking style of football that it leaves them um, you know, exposed at the back very often. I know you've had a couple of back-to-back one-pointers from Sufal. Um, you know, they, those, those fullbacks will chip in with assists, but you're not going to get that big potential 11 or 12-point haul very often from them. Um, and then just as you know, touch on their other... You know, their depth is becoming much better. Fornals is playing well. They have a few more uh, midfielders that they can rotate because they're going to be in European football for the first time in many, many years, right? So we have to pay attention to how the likes of Antonio and his hamstrings uh, react when they're playing more games um, you know, across Europe. Yeah, one quick thing on this. The player that hasn't really been mentioned a lot is Jared Bowen. He is someone who has been able to play the false nine role. I expect that David Moyes is going to find ways to get Antonio rest throughout this season. And I expect that Jared Bowen could be an option to lead the line for West Ham in some of those European fixtures. As Brian mentioned, they just brought in this other guy, Vlasic. He not just a pickle baron. He's also a pretty good player (laughs) professionally. And uh, yeah, they just they have great depth. They also brought in Kurt Zuma from Chelsea. So I expect things are are percolating at West Ham, but I don't expect they're going to be title contenders. But from an FPL perspective, they'll have plenty of points to give to willing managers. Yeah, if you don't have Antonio, he should be your number one target. I would I would put him, especially at his price tag, ahead of the priority of getting in the likes of Ronaldo. And uh, that is not a sentence I ever thought I would say before in FPL. For or sure. In the Premier I, League. Agree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> All right, let's talk I about... I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, thanks, Bucks, there. All right, let's talk about Liverpool and Chelsea ending in a 1-1 draw. This was, you know, obviously one of the key highlights of the notable game week. And Chelsea started super strong in this match. And I think they're really bossing the majority of the first 35 minutes or so of this game. But unfortunately, the referee had a different opinion. And uh, Bucks, break it down from here. Yeah, I think this was the clear match of the weekend for mostly the wrong reasons. Chelsea came out of the gate really hot. They dominated the first half. Kai Havertz scores a fantastic header goal, uh, kind of going away from the goal, flicking it up, popping it into the back of the net. That was beautiful. And they should have scored again, honestly. But the ref just came in with a real quick trigger red card. 
to Reese James for a handball off the goal line. And admittedly, it kind of deflected off his knee or his leg, chest into his arm. Listen, he did stop the ball from going in the net with his hand, but I don't think it was intentional. So that was a little harsh. And Mo Salah, just the FPL legend, steps up really cool. And he just smashed home that penalty kick. Ends up being 1-1. And then, shockingly, you know, the kind of whole momentum changes going into halftime. Now it's tied at one, and Chelsea's playing with 10 men against Liverpool at home. You expect that Liverpool are just going to come out guns blazing. And what happens? Chelsea doesn't concede a single big chance in the entire second half. They actually almost could have... You could say that they looked better with 10 men defensively than they did in the first half. (laughs) And they just dominated... Tuchel masterclass of tactical subs. And I just think this was a really strong sign if you're looking at bringing in Chelsea defensive players for FPL that they're going to be a must-start week in, week out. So that's my big takeaway from this. The goal scoring is a little more unknown, but for Chelsea, first and foremost, they're going to line up and be strong defensively under Tuchel every match. Yeah, very gutsy performance in the second half. Everyone was really digging deep to prevent the top attacking players from Liverpool getting too close to goal. And Mendy made the most saves that he's made in any Premier League game with six, obviously, since they were playing down a man. And ultimately, very happy to get one point in that match and just move on. And hopefully, you know, when the rematch happens later in the second half of the season, it'll be uh, with some higher stakes. And a different referee. On to the next one. <laughs> I mean, Bucks, uh, this, just to touch on that again, like this is one of the reasons you love having a mini league or a group of friends because there was a lot of banter and back and forth going on about that call in our in our group chat. And, you know, ultimately, I thought it was harsh that it was a yellow, but he did swing his arm forward. And, man, I, I, I was just so surprised that the referee took, was he watching it in like three times Zoom or like, I just don't understand how he could look at it in five seconds, be like automatically a red card. So James is suspended for the next three matches, which honestly is not the worst thing for FPL managers because we're going to target him for game week seven and onwards and his price isn't going to rise before then. So that's the the silver lining for the FPL folks out there. Ooh, sneaky. I like that. Okay. On to the next match, which was Burnley leads. This was a one, one draw. And this was really a striker showcase. Uh, Both Bamford and Chris Wood, they show up and they deliver. And unfortunately, I think Bielsa boys at Leeds, they got bullied into another Burnley-style match. This happened late last season as well. And Leeds just got tricked a little bit into playing the Burnley style of play, which is really physical, really chippy. And the match kind of devolved. And what Leeds want, they want a wide-open you know, attacking, big run kind of game. And it wasn't that. So I think Bamford is actually not being considered and not being discussed enough, considering the way that Leeds play and the fact that he's taking PKs and he's getting a lot of chances. He's now below $8 million, which was his starting price. So I think that's a little shocking to me. He's someone who I expect will be in my squad at some point this season. Uh, but... Leeds have one more tough match. They play Liverpool in game week four. Afterwards, they have a really, really calm waters for the next couple matches. So just something earmark Leeds and some of their better players, which they have a number of for FPL going forward. Just a note here, 
Calvin Phillips is a great player and he's, you know, obviously started every single game for the the three Lions in the Euros, but he looked absolutely terrible in this game. And I don't know if they're running him to Reagan or asking him to do too much, but he was he's usually a bright spot for them and he was getting torched um number of times. So they just looked out of out of sorts. And, you know, Bamford is going to be a good option, but they really haven't done a great job providing many chances yet either. So I think they're just a little bit out of sync to start the season and Bielsa Bowl will eventually get rolling in and the ball will go into the back of the net. But right now they're um, a little bit shaky. So I'm happy to own Rafinha, but against Liverpool this week, I'm expecting Liverpool to uh, do the business against Leeds, unfortunately. But onwards and upwards for them. And let's move on to the next match, which is Tottenham 1 and Watford 0. Sonny boy does it again, Bucks, but how he did it, eh, a little questionable. What do you think here? Uh, I, I agree with you here, but, you know, nothing can be said other than plaudits for Nuno and the whole Spurs side with what they've been navigating off the field to end up in three matches with three clean sheets and to end up all the way at the top of the table. I can only give major credit and congratulations to the Spurs and to Spurs fans. And, you know, mainly, They've been doing it through Hyungman Song. He's looked incredible. He has his second game-winning goal of the short season. And yeah, they're not scoring a lot, but they're doing just enough at the right times in the right parts of the game to get the results. And that's really all that matters. I think they're expecting Kane back after the international break. I think we're going to see a much more reloaded Spurs team in game week four, unfortunately for Crystal Palace, who they play against. But Spurs have been under undervalued i think all preseason and they just they look great they're really solid they're not making dumb errors which is the spurs way so <laughs> uh i just think that at this point you you should feel emboldened to bring in a defender from spurs uh tanganga Regulon, dyer they're all priced really well and have been getting returns so you should feel confident in doing that because nuno is setting them up for success and then if you can figure out a way to flip a player like Mares into Youngman Sung, I mean, you're going to be on the gravy chain for FPL points for a couple of game weeks. So that's really my takeaway. I can't wait to see them play with Kane back in the side. I think it's just going to be like, you know, hooking up some Nas to your engine and then, you know, going for a race. It's going to be an amazing experience. Yeah, Kane did play in this match. He picked up a yellow card. I think there are... A number of us just waiting for that link-up play to happen between him and Son. And there are overall have been very impressive results for this Spurs team. I think when you say, uh, when you talk about those previous Spurs mistakes in the defensive side, you know, you kind of liken them to an Arsenal side. When you're watching Arsenal, they're missing their, you know, three or four players are trying to kick a through ball and it just goes right through all their legs. Um, Spurs are not doing that anymore. So it might be a good opportunity to get one of their center backs or potentially potentially Reggie at 5.2 million. He's seen a couple price rises and he got nine points in max bonus this game. So definitely a team to watch out for, but they have a, a mixed bag of fixtures coming up with the likes of Crystal Palace, which is good, but then Chelsea, Arsenal, Villa. So potential um you know a couple tough games there coming up for them so ones ones to watch for sure and that brings us to the final match of game week three which was wolves versus man united and this 
Man United squeaked it out 1-0. Wolves have still failed to register an attacking return all season. They're stuck on zero goals. And honestly, Man United are lucky to come away with the points in this one. I would argue that there was a foul leading up to their goal, but all goals count, and Mason Greenwood loves to score them no matter how they come. So he gets a classy finish, ends up with another goal to his name. He had eight FPL points this one, and he gets the assist from a newbie, Rafael Varane, in defense, who ends up with 12 points after recording a clean sheet, an assist, and three bonus points, which is huge for a defender. So 12 points for any Rafael Varane owners. And this, I'm just going to say it, and then we can leave it behind, but the bonus point system just absolutely makes no sense. The fact that Juan Basaka and Ari Maguire get bonus points before Mason Greenwood, who scores the winning goal. I'll just never understand how these <laughs> how these nerds are making the math work. So. I mean, Bucks, all those all That's those uh, all those back passes to the goalie and passes to each other. You know, all those completed and accurate passes add up for a bonus. So you gotta you gotta get excited about that. Oh, Boo Diddley! What what did you just say, Boo Diddley? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, what uh, cartoon that phrase came from that your daughter watches, but uh, let's not say that again on the podcast. Okay, and it's just worth highlighting that uh, Wolves have been a FPL advanced stats darling. People are really expecting that Raul Jimenez and Adama Traore are going to come do. They're getting in great positions and having their opportunities, and. You know, they have had really difficult fixtures for the first three game weeks, and that's all about to change going into game week four. So I think that they will be a popular wild card target as, you know, you expect that they would keep maybe some clean sheets and maybe even score goals one of these game weeks. Who knows? One of these weeks, Bucks, the floodgates are going to open. Adama Traore is going to get his first attacking return and everyone will rejoice. But until then, um, I think there's some value in their defenders. So the likes of Cody at 4.5 or Samedo at 4.9. Those are some players to potentially consider. And uh, like I said, this is the last match of the game week. And I obviously have already seen everybody around me get 22 points from Antonio. And Bruno did have a goal in this one. He was off sides, but it was a very classy finish. But the, really the only threat that he had the entire game. So it was a very lackluster end to the uh, the game week for me. And it was a good time for me to shut it all down and uh, just be with my thoughts. And that turned dark really quickly. So with that, let's wrap up <laughs> our recap of. And with that, let's wrap up our recap of game week three. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to quickly mention Cristiano Ronaldo and discuss a potential wild card draft. And we're back. Now it's time to discuss Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the goats, maybe the goat, returning to Old Trafford and being the man up top for Manchester United once again. Bucks, he's coming in at a price tag of 12.5 million, essentially the same price as Salah. And, you know, FPL Towers are expecting big returns from this guy. He had 29 goals at Juventus with two assists and included six penalty goals. You know, he's 36 years old. What are you thinking he's going to do at Manchester United? 
Yeah, he's 36 and he's coming off a down season where he only scored 29 goals. So I think uh, you have to temper expectations. I mean, just kidding. He's 12.5 million for a reason. He's being brought in to deliver the business and go for trophies at Man United. And he's going to play a lot. He's a kind of perfect FPL player. He's super selfish. He loves to bet on Cristiano Ronaldo to score goals and to do the business. So you know he's going to take penalty kicks. You know he's you know he's going to take free kicks. And you know he's going to be in and around the opponent's box, hoping to capitalize on opportunities from Shaw, from Juan Basaka, from Bruno, and from all the other attacking creative talent that exists in the Man United side at this point in time. So I think people are expecting really big things. And it's just worth mentioning that he's 12.5 million. Bruno is 12 million. Bruno's been entrenched in this side. Kind of Ronaldo is the new kind of flashy sports car, or the new shiny, shiny object on the block. And I think a lot of managers are clearly going and transferring him in right away. He's already in over 15% of FPL squads, which is a shockingly high number for a player that's that pricey. So you know, this leads us really nicely into a conversation of how do you get Ronaldo and do you need to get Ronaldo in? And, you know, that's prompting a lot of FPL managers to wildcard, which means they're initiating a bonus option where they're able to totally wipe their team and start fresh. They can make unlimited transfers while the wildcard ship is initiated. And there's no penalty for doing that. So this is a really powerful chip. I would argue probably the most powerful chip in the game. And this really allows you to kind of reset where you're at from game week three, potentially going into game week four. Yeah, Bucks. And I think for our new listeners, we just want you call something out. You have one wild card in the first half of the season and then one wild card for the second half of the season. So some managers who are already activating their first half wild card they might not wild card for another 25 to 30 weeks so it is a bit early for my liking but when you have news of Lukaku and Ronaldo joining the Premier League it really causes concern for managers and that FOMO effect is, is definitely out there so want to call that out and then another thing about wild carding is that when you're tinkering with your side if you have a player let's say Greenwood who started at 7.5 and then you take him out and you hit that co- that confirm button on those transfers. If you try to bring him back in later, you're going to have to pay that new upgraded price of $7.7 million. So just something to keep in mind, those players who you've seen price rises out of, you'll have to pay that current price if you do too much tinkering and tinker in and out, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, for this exercise, we really just want to discuss One, if Cristiano Ronaldo and Romelu Lukaku coming into the Premier League mean that you need to wildcard right now. And I think it's fair to say that that's an individual question. I think if you're not happy with the way your team's looking, maybe you have a couple of injuries or a couple of players who have just been invisible. Let's say you have Harvey Barnes staying next to uh, James Madison, standing next to Jaden Sancho in your midfield. <laughs> you have you have some problems you need to address, my friend. And so wildcarding might not be the worst decision at this point in time. But if you're sitting pretty like Brian and I, and your team is starting well, you don't have any major injuries, for the most part, your players are playing and they're playing good amounts of minutes, whether they're delivering or not, 
you know, maybe it makes sense to take a couple more game weeks to get more data, get more information before you end up hitting such a valuable power up. Just food for thought. I agree there, Bucks. I think a lot of managers obviously support Manchester United, and that's why Ronaldo is, you know, even more so a very popular pick in FPL. I do want to just call out some you know, things that I've saw while watching some Juventus highlights and also just looking at some of the numbers. You know, Ronaldo had a team at Juventus that was dedicated to getting him the ball, right? He was finishing a lot of headers, finishing a lot of balls at his feet, but you have to have good passes and good, you know, play to get that service in. You know, right now we have players in this Manchester United side, such as Rashford or Greenwood, you know, they're used to cutting into their inside foot and smashing in a goal or taking that shot. They're not used to having one of the goats pointing at his hooves and asking, where is the damn ball? So I'm just really curious to see how some of their link up play, you know, obviously Bruno is a world class passer and so is Pogba. But um, Pogba, you know, he he doesn't really have the pace. He does a lot of balls over the top. You know, does Ronaldo have that pace still to get to one of those over the top through balls? You know, there's a lot of questions that I have as an FPL manager that would not cause me to hit him in this game week versus Newcastle, especially if you're going to take out and fund that move with Bruno's price tag at 12 million. So I, I think there's just a lot of things in play, but it's different if you're on wildcard and uh, Bucks, I think you only have to have Ronaldo or Lukaku, you don't need both because you can switch between the two, especially over the next four fixtures where Ronaldo has the better fixtures and then game week seven or eight, Chelsea has a legendary fixture run. So I would have one of those two. And Bucks, why don't you walk us through what a wildcard draft would look like? Yeah, so this is really a thought experiment. As Brian and I mentioned, neither of us are going to be wildcarding for game week four, but it's important to understand why the reset is so appealing to certain FPL managers. All right, for this thought experiment, we want a wild card using the standard 100 million budget. Now we understand there have a lot of been. Now we understand a lot of players have price risen since the start of the season, but we're not going to factor that into our established budget. So we just want to show you why people are trying to reframe their team around a premium forward such as Cristiano Ronaldo. Harry Kane, or Lukaku. So to do that, I've built out a team where my starting lineup is Sanchez and goal for Brighton. The back line is going to be Trent Alexander-Arnold, Luke Shaw, and Semedo. Then my midfield is going to be Salah, Jota, Greenwood, and Torres. And my attacking line is going to be Ronaldo, Antonio, and Dennis. Now, this gives me a really nice mix of premium and mid-priced attacking assets. So I have seven total attackers, as well as Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's a premium defender, obviously. And I would say Luke Shaw is kind of a semi-premium. This also gives me the ability to line up and attack some of the positive fixture runs that are turning. So, you know, we've mentioned that Man United and Liverpool have some really good fixtures. Well, so does Watford coming up. So that's Dennis in the attacking slot. Semedo is my Wolves defender. So in that way, I'm going to be targeting a lot of upside, but also players that I think comfortably you'd be expecting to be getting hauls on a regular game-by-game basis. So that's where it shakes out. And this team, it should be mentioned, is 97.7 million, including the bench that we're going to share. 
So Bucks, are you playing a three four three? Are you playing a four four two? Yeah, I'm just curious to see what your rationale is between having a couple premiums in midfield and in the attack, um, and in terms of your formation. Sure, great question. So I don't want to make a decision today to lock me into one or the other. So I see a lot of wildcard teams are locked into the three five two formation. Which, listen, if, if I could fit Triore into the midfield next to Ferran Torres, I would be having a mini party. The problem is, let's say the defenders you have have bad matchups. Then you're really you're stuck because you can't switch out of that. So this team that I have, I should let me just quickly say my bench. My bench is Ben White, Livermento, then Sissoko, and Steele. So again, there's I have full flexibility. So I expect on this wildcard team that I would be playing mostly 3-4-3. Three, three. That would be my first choice. And I would have a really easy time switching to a 4-4-2. A four, four, and what, I would just do that by bringing Ben White in and benching Dennis. So okay, again, it okay. gives me maximum flexibility. And I also like this team. A lot of the teams that I've been seeing wildcard are either super, they're, they're premium, they're like steroided out with premiums. So they have three premiums <laughs> and TAA, and then they have like two or three 4.0 or sub 4.5 million defenders, like the, the bottom of the barrel for the rest of their team. My bench, all those guys are playing except my backup goalkeeper. So again, if something were to happen, I'm not going to have to rush to then burn some hits. So I really like the way that this team lines up. And I think that Dennis is actually underappreciated if possible. He's 5.2 million, but he plays and he's locked and he produces. So he's just so much more valuable than a 4.5 million forward in my mind. So I love the fact that for a little bit more expensive, I'm actually going to get a player that could contribute to my side. That's, that's my team. Interested in your thoughts, Brian. Yeah, to play devil's advocates, you know, Watford do have like six or seven strikers on their roster. So there could be a point where Dennis does not become nailed. And in that case, it just seems like uh, that point seven would be better reinvested in your defense and have a dead playing, um, you know, a dead playing striker. I obviously lean towards this because that's what I currently have set up in my own team with a three, five, two. But I think that's that's something to consider. Um, I love, I absolutely love your goal scoring mentality from your midfielders. The only problem is, you know, Jota, Torres, and Greenwood. Those guys could potentially get rotated, and two out of those three could get rotated in any given week. So that's where I do have a little bit of pause. But for right now, you know, those are very intriguing price points, especially around the 7.5 mark where you could move to somebody like Mason Mount, where when there's fixtures turn, you could all obviously downgrade. Let's let's say that Ronaldo changes the structure of Manchester United and all of a sudden Greenwood's playing a lot less minutes. You can easily go Greenwood to somebody like Rafinha or Ben Rama and downgrade. So I do like having that uh, that flexibility in your midfield specifically. Absolutely. And listen, the wild card means that I am locked into this team for the long haul. However, you know, Jota, his competition is Firmino. He's out with an injury. It's looking like it's going to be a, a little bit of time there. Farron Torres, I'm willing to risk that he might get benched for Foden or KDB, but I'm going to have him 
at 7.1 million as the de facto goal scorer. Let's say three out of every four game weeks for Man City. So I'm, I'm betting on the odds there. And I actually see opposite. I think that the Ronaldo move to Man United is going to be the best possible thing for Greenwood. In my mind, Greenwood is the best finisher on Man United still today. And I think he's just so classy. He's only 19. He has such a way to grow. And being able to watch Ronaldo and see how he operates, pick up some tricks from him. I think that there's spots in the starting lineup for both of them. And I think they can really complement each other. So I think Greenwood's going to move out wide. Ronaldo's going to go more central. And I think there's a perfect interchange where I see Greenwood using his pace and cutting inside, creating space for Ronaldo and vice versa. So I actually really like that partnership. Greenwood is one of those players that you could give me an extra $2 million in FPL coin to bring in a different player, and I probably would still turn you down. I think Greenwood's upside for his value is the best in the game right now. Yeah, I don't argue about his value, especially at 7.7 million right now. I'm a little bit concerned of how, you know, Rashford and Sancho and Pogba and I'm just a little bit concerned about how they actually set up their attack. Um, but for for now, definitely great players to have. They're in form. I, I really like those 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 midfielders that you have. And I think ultimately the takeaway that I have here is you can have a really balanced team with two premiums. If you switch to three premiums, let's say you wanted to squeeze in Salah, you wanted to squeeze in Lukaku, and you wanted to squeeze in Ronaldo, you're going to have a very bare bones team around the fringes, and you're not going to have a playing bench, and you're not going to have some of these really you know mid priced goal scorers from the midfield who keep tallying you know eight to twelve points. So I think the the route that I would recommend at this point is choosing two premiums. Now, eventually, once Kane starts firing and Lukaku's on the board and KDB comes into the fold when those fixtures turn for City, we're going to have a season unlike any other where we're actually seeing some of these top guys really produce points left and right. And we're going to actually have a, a bigger you know, differential and kind of variance in different teams, which I'm super excited for as the season progresses. Yeah, I think... Again, I haven't been playing this game for so long, but I expect that there could be over 10 200-plus point FPL scores this season, which definitely wasn't the case last season. And I really think that the wild card, you want to set yourself up for maximum flexibility moving forward, knowing the information you know today. So this team allows you to swap in and get a Rafinha or get a Ben Rama. And if Ronaldo isn't everything you hoped and dreamed, you can easily swap him to Kane or to Lukaku. The issue is, really, you can't have Sala, Ronaldo, Lukaku, and Trent and have a balanced team. So right, it's right, really, right. do you want to keep Trent or do you want to have those three kind of super premiums? For me, I think that Trent is a super premium in himself, even though he's only priced at 7.5, because He's just so attacking in that defense, and he's so essential to what they do. So in my mind, he's more valuable than Jota at $7.6 million, even though they're pretty much the same price. So that's just the way I look at it. I think, as Brian mentioned, if it was his style, he'd probably have a not-playing striker. But I've only grown up playing the FPL game during the COVID times, so I it's drilled into me how important it is to have 
players on your bench who can easily come in and do the work. So that's just my style. Again, this isn't going to be a team for everyone. You know, we're missing players like Traore, like Rafinha, like Damari Gray, like DCL. So there are a lot of really good FPL players who don't make the cut. You can only have 15 guys. But <laughs> I think this is a good representation of what we know today and, you know, which players have an opening to really bring in a lot of points in the next couple of game weeks. Yeah, that's a great first draft of a potential wildcard team for game week four. There are a lot of managers who do pull the trigger and wildcard going into game week four. For me, I'm still targeting game week seven as my potential wildcard time. And I want to see, again, some some players that are new to the Premier League prove it on the pitch. So I'm really looking forward to collecting some more data and just having players pass the eye test, which we're obviously big on. And equal to the players' performance, how the teams perform, how Manchester United reacts, how Bruno reacts to not having pens, how he, you know, interacts with Ronaldo on the pitch and and all the same for the new players across the board that are so expensive and uh, integrating themselves into these FPL sides. So thanks, Bucks, for sharing that, uh, that first view. And we'll be answering a lot more questions on specific players uh, coming up in our next podcast, which will be released very shortly. Yeah, this was, you know, speaking of proving it on the pitch, we want to continue to prove it on these airways and in our performance in FPL. So we appreciate you listening. We hope you smash that subscribe or follow button on your preferred podcast provider. We are the FPL Blues Podcast. And as Brian mentioned, we're going to be coming back with a Game Week 4 preview, as well as answering some of your community questions in a couple days. Thanks. Thanks, Bucks. We'll catch you all soon. Thank you.